Hello, and welcome to Once More with Commentary. We're an angel podcast. <laughs> I'm Ginny. I'm Allie. That's the first time I've had to say that and not say a Buffy and Angel podcast, so... It's so sad. You know, I gotta get used to it. Um, it's sad, but, yeah. but also, like, I'm proud of us. I agree. Um, so today, we're talking about Season 5 of Angel, Episodes 3 and 4, Unleashed and Hellbound. Um, yeah, I just finished watching them. I knew, I know this already about Angel, like in reference to us doing this podcast, but it's still just, the timing doesn't always work out. The show is so dark. Yeah. It's really hard to watch in the morning. Like we just watched them and it's like, I just, there were a couple scenes that I literally could not see. And I'm always like, okay, I should just watch Angel at night because it'll make that part a little bit easier. But you know, then the night gets late and it's too late. So. And these episodes, I I think especially, um, there were a few scenes I was literally like, what? I was like squinting. I was like, I don't know. Someone's got to say what happened because I just genuinely don't know. <laughs> um, but anyway, how are you? I'm okay. Um, I was just telling you, I feel like I'm like sleeping a lot, um, mm-hmm. which I guess is having a side effect of making me groggy too. So mm-hmm. um, if I'm really low energy right now, I apologize. Um, but yeah, no, I just, you know, what, what was it you just said? Like, sit at your computer, eat, go to bed, sit at your computer, mm-hmm. eat, go to bed. <laughs> like, yeah. I know. It's definitely <laughs> taking a toll. It's like, try. I, yeah. And I had more conversation. So actually you and I hung out last night in air quotes, right? Around that. We did not see each other, but, um, our friends had a little hangout, like a little video chat, which was lovely. Right before that, we had the same thing with Alex's friends. So we were actually hanging out with people for like four or five straight hours and it was very fun. Um, but, you know, I've touched base with people kind of off and on like that for the last two, two-ish weeks. And I feel like up until yesterday, I, it was easy enough to be like, yeah, it's weird that we're inside, but it's fine. And then like talk about other things. And yesterday was the first time that it was like, it's really hard not to really just talk about that. <laughs> That's what I did the same thing. I had like another hangout first and like all we talked about was like, how everybody's coping and like, you know, the yeah. virus and like, you cause there's nothing else going on. There's nothing like, else to talk about. Yeah. And, and like um, I told you, um, yeah. The only downside is like, you know, it's like, it's so fun to do that. But then I was, th- I was thinking about it. I was like, oh, like the more I do the stuff like that, then the more I'm like continuing this pattern of like, okay, I'm just in front of the computer, you know, it's like, know. it's so social and it feels great. And then at the same time, I'm like, oh, but I didn't go outside. Yeah. Well, I'm not going outside much anyway, so. Yeah, I'm not either. Not it's not like I'm missing that. I, I need to be going out more, I think, um, just because, like, I'm starting to not feel great just because, like, my exercise levels have dropped, like, by, like, 100%. Yeah. So my body. I can't decide like, if that is. On. <laughs> I don't feel like that part's affecting me yet. I don't know, though. I don't know. It's hard to know. I have definitely hit some points where I'm, like, this doesn't feel great, and I don't know what to do about it, but I don't know. It's daunting to go outside because I just, I feel really also burdened by, like, every decision feels like there are a hundred different ethical concerns to weigh, and then I just get frozen, and I'm like, well, I can just sit in my room, and then there's nothing to think about, right? But it's like, even going outside, it's like, what do I need to wear if I'm going to walk or run? A mask seems prohibitive but I also have to walk through a lobby in a building that has 200 units so it's like I don't know just I think that's the thing for me that's the most like not burden some isn't the right word because like obviously we're in a really great position 
you know, relatively to a lot of people, but like, because we live in a, in a big unit, a big housing complex, there's a lot of people. And so I feel like even literally just stepping outside my apartment is like, why well, I really got to think about like, what, what is that doing? And I think it's like, I, that makes me overthink it and then just stay inside, but like literally stay inside our apartment. Like I'm not even going in the hallway. <laughs> so anyway, but yeah, that part is what's, what's really hard. Where, like, like, I feel like it's extra fraud. So yeah, yeah. I mean, there are places outside we could walk. I just feel like every time I want to make that choice, I'm like, well, I'm just as okay inside right now. So maybe I should, you know, I'll just stay in here, but it does feel like I'm going to hit a point. Anyway, anyway, there we go. Our, yep, our that's, that's it. Chipper that's... discussion lead into the angel episodes. I think everybody else is aware of what's going on. So I don't think we should be labor. <laughs> um, I know, I know. I, I did see like a funny thing the other day where somebody was like, oh, all the podcasts are about coronavirus now. And I think it's true. <laughs> yeah. But I feel like we're also going to hit that point in TV like a couple months from now. It's like, it's just going to affect everything. Yeah. Like it's going to be a storyline and everything rather. Maybe not, but. Oh, you know Grey's Anatomy is like first episode back is going to be like some mysterious virus. <laughs> that show is still on. <laughs> apparently yeah i thought they i thought that ended uh no (laughs) it's like they're going for the record i guess okay i can't imagine they still i don't know i haven't watched it since like the third season so i can't tell (laughs) who's still there and what's going on but like it's still on i really thought i I, i thought i had read some sort of announcement okay well Let's jump into Angel, yeah? Yeah. And um, sorry for bringing this down in the beginning. I told myself I wasn't going to do that, but, you know, it mean, spills it's, out. I mean, it's real life. It's what's going on right now. Yeah. So, um, all right. Well, let's talk about someone else's fake depressing life. Yes. Um, okay. So, Unleashed, uh, you know, Angel and his team, Angel killed one of the members of his Wolferman Heart security detail last week, so kind of... Not just because of that, but in general, the Angel team still feels like they don't know who they can trust at Wolfram and Hart. They don't know who is trying to do what, but they're also really, really busy with the new responsibilities of like running this company and running the science department, running the library and all those kinds of things. So they have like a little secret meeting where they make sure they're not bugged before they can kind of air some of these concerns. Um, And while they're doing that, Angel overhears something, grabs Wesley's pen and goes to save a woman who is getting attacked by a werewolf. Unfortunately, he's a little bit too late, and even though he's able to kill the werewolf, he's not able to get there before the werewolf bites this woman. Um, And while he's in this tussle, she runs away. Uh, So Angel goes back to Wolfram and Hart, knowing that there's a new werewolf out and about somewhere in LA, and then they need to try and figure out who she is so that they can get to her and, you know give her some advice or warning or see, you know, do their, do their thing. So they do have all the resources of Wolfram and Hart at their disposal for the most part. So they're able to CSI, uh, in do a little investigation to figure out who she is. And it turns out it's this woman named Nina who maybe is like a college student or a post-grad, some kind something along those lines. She's taking ceramics classes. She is also babysitting for her sister's daughter, um, and that's not a great position to be in when you're about to turn into a werewolf. Uh, so while she's babysitting her niece, uh, she starts turning into a werewolf. But luckily, by that point, Angel has figured out who she is and where she lives. So they go in and extract her. Um, and then, you know, the rest of the episode is, well, 
they explain to her what's going on. She has some hearts to heart, heart to hearts with a few people. But when she goes back to her house to gather a few of her things, um, she and Fred are attacked and she's kidnapped again. This time, not by Angel, by someone who's a bit more nefarious. And it turns out it's by a guy who's going to serve her up uh, as a very rare delicacy. Uh, you know, as always, there's some creeps running around L.A. This guy serves werewolf when he can get it. <laughs> anyway, so, um, you know, they're able to figure out where that is happening. Angel and his little team go in and save the day again. Um, and that's more or less it. Then they drop Nina back off with her family at the end, and she and Angel, again, kind of have a nice heart-to-heart just talking about how she's going to go on living this way, knowing this thing about her. But it does seem like they've also made a deal with her that she's going to come back to their protection when she turns into a werewolf in the next full moon cycle. So, the end. Yeah, I um, I didn't realize this episode came this early in the season. Oh, um, yeah. Because I, I remember, remember it because... One. So, this... This arc on Angel is pretty much what this actress is like famous for. Um, okay. Except that now she's also married to Jason Biggs, so. Oh really? Yeah. So <laughs> she's also that. like famously like very outspoken about like everything. Um, Interesting. Okay. But her professional I I didn't credit, her at all. to my knowledge, is like mostly playing Being Nina on Nina the Werewolf. I didn't even know she was gonna come back. That's funny. Yeah. Um. Interesting. Well. I mean, I like the storyline overall. Uh, I I feel I feel like it did the kind of dark twist that earlier episodes of Angel tried to do less, and they were less successful. You know, like when we had like like there just were some season one and some season two like some real flops where it was like that was a cool idea until you like made it just bad. I don't know. So I I don't know. I liked this twist. I thought that was like appropriately sinister in a way that like actually skeeves me out, which is kind of hard to do. You know, in these shows, they tend to be a little bit more generic in the like horror how far, and how far they push things. I thought this was like a good, like it actually made me, you know, made my skin crawl a little bit, but um, I don't know. I, I liked it overall. And there was like a part in the middle where I was getting a little bit bored, but I felt like the end also was like exciting. And I, I like so far the heart-to-heart conversations that people are having because of these circumstances, I think they're kind of doing a good job at, like, resituating Angel, the character. Yeah, definitely. And something about this, I agree with you, felt a little old-school Angel. Um, Mm -hmm. Like, some of this reminded me a lot of the season one episode where um, these demons are trying to eat Doyle, I think. Yeah, yeah. Um, Reminded me a little bit of that. And then, um, yeah, just, like, positioning them as like continuing to do what they do but now they have what was really striking is like they have all these resources at their disposal and like it was kind of fun to see the the perks actually play out like right instead of having to go back to the hotel and like you know literally like go out around the city and try to find this woman like they can just pinpoint her immediately using everything Wolf from Heart has to offer they can either they can also like dissect the werewolf and like figure out he's a particular kind of breed of werewolf like Mm -hmm. all of that was really interesting and I also like something else that felt really old school about it was like we haven't seen a werewolf really since Oz yeah that's true like they haven't encountered one they haven't mentioned them really so it it was kind of this like throwback demon of the week we're like oh yeah werewolves (laughs) yeah I think my 
the I, yeah, I think the pros of this episode and with this season so far is it does feel like they're <laughs> the pros and the cons are kind of the same thing. I feel like they're effectively uh, retreading some ground, but doing it better. You know, like I said, this does feel like a kind of case of the week that we would have gotten in season one or season two, but without some of the missteps that those episodes often had, which, you know, mostly that they all revolved more creepily around women, although this one is also still a woman, but it just didn't quite seem as gross in that way. But the, you know, by the same token, the kind of problem is that like this also, we're doing a lot of reestablishing. And as much as I think it's super necessary, it's hard not to get a little bit bogged down in that too, where it's like, okay, I know, I know, I know, like get to, let's like, I'm, I'm, I'm eager for us to do a, just a tiny bit more play setting so that we can kind of dig into a, a bigger question, you know, or a bigger arc. Yeah, it does, it does feel a little like, I appreciate it, but also I guess it feels a little bit, bit like belabored right like we're like yeah, still exactly. doing this like we're still yeah. everybody's still suspicious of Wolfram and Hart they're still like oh did we make the right decision like you know it's it's kind of time for them to to decide that they did and move on yeah. um and we see that a little bit in the next one like they're they're working with Eve and you know all of this but um you know they're still very skeptical of what where they find themselves and they're still suspicious of each other. And it's a little like, I'm a little bored by it, I guess. Um, Frankly, I, I was a little bored by both of these episodes. That Um, is my point. Yes. Yeah. Like I don't have much to say because they do seem to be, like you said, like there's, we're still table setting in a way that feels like we don't need to still be doing, but I guess I appreciate it. I mean, again, it's still fun to see all of these mechanisms at Wolfram and Hart that we haven't really seen before. Like, we you know, we're really seeing more of Fred's lab and of course, you know, we're seeing the cages that they have to hold werewolves and all of this stuff. And this is all stuff that they wouldn't have had available to them easily mm-hmm. in the hotel. But yeah, it's uh, <laughs> it's just all not that interesting yet. Yeah. Um, as interesting as I thought it was the last couple episodes, it's like just feels like a re a retelling with a different demon. Yeah. Um, I do like. I think another thing that is so far working, and I really hope they keep this up, is you know this episode was bookended with the angel investigation team sharing you know, real or not, um, meals, you know, mm. in the beginning there, it's just a cover that they're talking about Mushu because they want to, they're talking about that while they make sure they're not bugged or and nobody's listening in on them. And then in the end, just kind of because I think they're, I guess what I'm saying is I think they're kind of bonding again with each other, hopefully. And so by the end, they all go up to Angel's new apartment and they like order food. I thought that final scene was just, it was super cute. I really liked that they were like, oh, Fred, just do their usual. And then we find out that like, they had a usual place that they ordered from when they lived at the hotel. And like, that's where they're still going to like that. I felt like that wedged in a lot of really great details that did a lot of heavy lifting. Um, it did, but can I ask? Okay. Mm-hmm. It was cute. I agree. But didn't you also find that just exasperating in a way? Because this is what we've been talking about for it's like true. two seasons now is like these people need to just learn to like each other and like hang yes. out. And so like they're telling us that there's this history of them ordering from the same Chinese place and having a like a ritual of like how they do it and who orders, blah, blah, blah. And we've never seen this happen before. It's true. And I don't believe that these people of a season ago would have been doing that. Hmm. So that's the only part that gave me pause where I was like, 
it's so cute and i'm glad they're finally doing that but i just don't believe that they've been doing that i see yeah yeah i mean that's true i'm just trying to grasp onto this new season as the fresh start that i think it's and i'm yanking it away i'm sorry yeah Um, and I will, you know, I am nervous to put too much faith in it too, because we have seen this group come together and then be torn apart again, like four or five times at least by now. So to that point, yeah, I mean, I'm still a little suspicious of like how long that's really going to last, but I'm going to take it while I can get it, you know, but what I do like about where we've been so far also though, is I do feel like Fred is getting to jump into the foreground quite a bit in these two episodes. Um, you know, there's just a lot of emphasis on her lab, basically, like we're not seeing much of Wesley's library. I mean, she consults with him in both of these episodes, but he's not really taking the lead on the cases of the week, nor is Gunn. Lauren is still kind of always the, you know, just the little side guy there for entertainment purposes, which I'm still enjoying. But I I think next to Angel, I think she's getting kind of the most screen time, her and Spike. So I don't know. I'm enjoying that. I think Fred is doing a great job. I think, yeah. I guess that's where I, that's where I'm going. No, I, I agree. And I, I think she really is coming to the forefront in a way that, you know, she was always kind of their problem solver. But now she's got like, like we keep saying, she's got all these tools at her disposal. And I think the expectation is that she can do so much mm-hmm. more with them. Now, I think we're also starting to see some unfair expectations played on, placed on her. Like, you know, everybody's bet that she's going to be able to save Spike. And that's not sh- that's not a sure thing. Yeah. But I think, yeah, we're we're starting to see her really emerge as, like, Angel's second-in-command yeah. in a way because she's the one who can, like, get everything done. And, like, she's the one who goes with Nina and, like, tries to help give her a mm-hmm. cover story. And, like, you know, she's the one really on the ground dealing with her. And, um, yeah, I, I, I like this turn of events because, you know, Fred is, of course, always fun to watch and, it, like, way more lighthearted and it's just not so, like... Yeah. It's nice to have a break from like, you know, Angel and Wesley like, yeah. bitching at each other or like Wesley and Gunn like bitching at yeah. each other. So, you know, it's just like it was it was nice. And and it makes sense that like Fred would be maybe one that Nina could trust. Yeah. And yeah. I agree. I do miss some of Wesley's better moments. I feel like by the same token, he's getting kind of less and less to do and they keep kind of just playing up his longing for Fred in a way that is annoying. Um, One note. It is one note. But (laughs) what I do like about Wesley, canonically a great shot. (laughs) I can watch him in this like, you know, dark, in this dining room with all these fancy people just repeatedly accurately shooting a werewolf with a drink glass. Like it was great. I love it. Every shot of it, every like visual of him just like being super badass. Like I love it. So at least that he's still got that going for him. Yeah, I mean, this is we're this is still definitely like the new Wesley, yeah. right? And so that's nice. But yeah, he does seem to have faded a little bit. But I think that's the problem that this show always has is like it's not very good at balancing its characters, right. um, which is why I think Gunn has never had too much to do beyond be the muscle. And I think the show tries to kind of, I don't want to say joke about that, but like call attention yeah, to that sometimes. Yeah. But then every time they try to bring Gunn to the forefront, it's just it doesn't yeah. go well. Like they just, they literally don't know what to do with him. So like, I also have been enjoying seeing him in, you know, his new role where at least if he seems more background, he, he seems like he hasn't, he's not just forgotten. Like I think for him having a real purpose here, which is like, he's now their legal mm-hmm. tether to the rest of the organization is, is great. But like, yeah, they still don't know. They still don't really have much for him except 
we'll see in the next episode, but like it's 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 still struggling to like have all these moving pieces and give them equal mm-hmm. weight. Yeah. Um I think it's become the Fred and Angel show a little Agreed. bit and and then or if it's not that, it's the Fred and Wesley show or the Angel and Wesley show. You know, it's like there's always two and then there's three extra and they've never really figured out like yeah how to how to balance that and we're seeing we're seeing that continue but but that being said like I think because everybody has a slightly adjusted role I'm 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 like my interest is renewed I guess yeah I agree um I also think this was a very season one angel thing to do season one show angel thing to do and I'm curious if you think that they're pulling it off or not, I, f- I feel like they've gotten quite a bit, hmm, what's the way to say this? It's not exactly that they're morally gray. It's that, like, Angel is straight up killing people right now, right? And Okay, <laughs> I, I literally wrote in my notes, I'm so glad you brought this up, because I wrote in my notes, I said, is Angel really helping the helpless if he's offering up that guy? Well, I thought that was like... a very interesting, yes, for sure. Um, Even last episode, him killing that security guard, I mean, they brought it up again yes. in this episode, but they aren't really... Me- meditating on it you know so I I don't know I'm not I don't hate it but it, it is interesting if, if I had if I really think about it more and I I did notice that because I was like oh this is like the second episode in a row where Angel's like straight up murdered someone or like let someone mm-hmm. be murdered like like yes this this werewolf doctor guy or whatever like was a bit complicit but like he did get bit as a werewolf without his like control right so like he's going to be murdered because of yeah. it. And Angel's just like shrug, like whatever. And it is a weird choice historically for the show to make. And the only thing I, I guess the only rationale I could think of that I'm assuming is what they're going for is like, Angel doesn't view anyone who works with Wolfram and Hart as the good guys, right. right? So he's just eradicating evil if he lets them be killed or if he kills them because they've all made a decision. Like, And I think last time they really tried to hammer that home with that guy, right. really like being a true believer in Wolfram and Hart and the, the um, senior partners and the power. And like he, he was evil. So Angel killing him is like supposed to be okay, except he still killed a human. And this guy, same thing, right? Like he's one of the evil people working at Wolfram and Hart, and so it's supposed to be okay to kill him or let him be killed, but, like, he's still human. So I agree with you. It's a little bit interesting. I I don't mind it. I'm just, what I mind, and I don't think we're quite there yet to make this call, I mind them not addressing it. You know, I I think if this is the route the show wants to go, I think there's a lot of ways to make that work. I just feel like if they just do it in the background and then never mention it, I think that's a little bit doing us a disservice. And right now, I don't feel like they've really, really addressed it. So I'm kind of still waiting to see how that plays out. Because I don't No, I, don't I agree. <laughs> it, it must come up at some point. I think it will. I, I do think, though, again, I think that was something that really early Angel sort of tried to grapple with. And I think they really have, you know, they've really put everybody in a really ethically gray spot in this season anyway. So I, I, I do think there's also something to it that's like, Angel's trying to realize, yes, he's leading an evil law firm, and for every bad guy that you kill, a new one will just sprout up. So I I do think that there are some, potentially some more calculations that are going on in his head, kind of behind the scenes. But yeah, again, we have to see how that plays out. What I also thought was really sloppy is at the very end of the episode, while they were doing their little ordering food together, he there was like a throwaway line about how like, oh, we took care of that guy's restaurant. And I was like, how? (laughs) 
Well, so I feel like that was sort of their way to be like, yeah, it's fine. They didn't really eat that guy, but I don't think they offered up nearly enough information about that, you know? So I think that was sort of a, a cheap cover of like, oh no, they didn't really let that go through. But I don't, it was so vague that it was like, I, that could mean anything. Yeah. I hope they do address it at some point though, because, you know, now that I'm thinking about this, as we're talking about it, I'm remembering like, okay, there was a whole plot line last year about, or last season about Fred and Wesley, not Fred and Wesley, Fred and Gunn, Fred and Gunn yeah. breaking up because like they, they like murdered yes. someone and it was like a really big deal. Right. And now like people are casually getting killed left and right and nobody cares. Right. And I'm yeah. like, so do these people like, what's their real feeling right. about murder? So you're right. There's a bit of inconsistency happening, I just but I, to, I do hope it will be addressed. It just needs to be addressed. I don't, I'm not against it or for it yet. It totally depends, I think, on... I mean, I'm just going to say, I don't remember if we really talked much about it, but like that ops guy last episode we, deserved to yeah. die and it was a cool death. <laughs> yeah, we didn't really talk about it. And I think that one also had a lot more kind of cover because he was engaged in an actual fight to the death of a... You know what I mean? Like there wasn't that many ways yeah. for that to end. Like traditionally, Angel is stopped those people before he had to kill them. But like, I, I, I think that one is a lot more understandable where it's like, you start trying to kill Angel. Yeah, he kind of has the right to defend himself. So this one is a lot more like, oh, you made a choice to let that one go. <laughs> <laughs> I have to, I have to say this was also not to bring things back. Um, but when they walked in on the evil party the, for the first time and we saw this guy there and all these you know presumably very wealthy people dressed to the nines in this very elegant kind of dining room situation my very first thought was like oh my god they can't gather like that. I was like wait a second because uh, in my head I was like you can't have groups that big what are they doing they're all gonna get sick and I was like this is oh. not the real world what's <laughs> my mind just like got off course for a second I think that's a thing that a lot of people are struggling exactly. with, though, is, like, you, like, watch TV, and you're just like, oh, my God, how did, wait, what? Yeah, I'm like, like wait a second. Why? There's, There's so, many, so many people. Yeah, and Alex <laughs> kind of made the joke about how we're, like, now I'm, like, oh, living in this real fantasy life where this is what L.A. is like, and you can gather as much as you want. <laughs> uh, anyway. It also, you know what I read for the first time? Sorry, this is definitely a tangent, uh, but because of some tweets that I saw, I read the... Um, Mask of Red Death, the Edgar Allan Poe short story. Have you ever read that? No. Mm. Well, the summary basically is that the plague is going around and this wealthy prince builds kind of like a castle-y fortress and invites all of his rich friends to hang out to ride it out. You know, it's like, okay, none of us are sick. We all go in there. And then at the end, somebody slips in who has it and then they all die. This is also just because I had read that. Like, I kind of kept picturing that as the scene. My head was just going to weird places while I was watching this. I guess what I'm trying to get at, though, is I did really like that dinner scene. Like, I thought that guy was just so sinister. He was so creepy. I don't know. It really raised the stakes in a way that I think is harder and harder with these types of shows, you know, as the seasons go on. Or and like, oh, also, we've like, seen them. can we so. talk about the visual of them wheeling Nina out on a bed of kale, <laughs> like, trussed up and, like, ready to be eaten? Yeah. <laughs> Angel was like, they garnished you? <laughs> Ugh. <laughs> Creepy. <sighs> anyway. All right. Should, should we talk about Hellbound? I think we should. Okay. Because I feel like I keep slipping into it because, like, Cause I think related. Fred, yeah. as we were saying, like, has this bigger role. And I think in this episode, we're really starting to see, like, that be true and also some of the, the pressures on her because of it. Mm -hmm. Because, of course, Spike, who was a bit in the background of the last episode, um, is still around trying to 
get out of what he thinks is certain, um, well, hellbound. Mm-hmm. Like he thinks he's certainly hellbound and he's trying to avoid that. And, and he keeps slipping in and out of existence. And every time he does, like he thinks he's closer to hell. Um, so Fred is trying to figure out a way to tether him to this plane and make him corporeal. And she's not succeeding so far. Um, and Fred, Spike keeps um, winking out of existence. And like he seems like you know, really freaked out by it. And so it becomes clear that, like, something else is going on. Like, it seems that there are actually, as expected in a law firm in a place like Wolfram and Hart, like, where a lot of people die, that there are some other spirits hanging around. But there aren't as many as there should be. So they start investigating, and they're like, okay, like, what is going on? And Spike discovers that there is a spirit haunting Wolfram and Hart who is what they're calling a reaper and basically he steals spirits or consumes them or something but basically he's the reason why all these spirits aren't haunting Wolfram and Hart and also the cause of some of Spike's disappearances like he's trying to get Spike for himself um so Spike figures this out he also figures out a way to think really hard and communicate to Fred (laughs) by by writing reaper on the shower um and so Fred, you know, does some digging. They all figure out, okay, there was this guy who who died, and um, Wolfram and Hart is built on, like, evil ground, unsurprisingly. And they basically figure out what's going on, banish this Reaper guy, and don't solve Spike's problem. But mm-hmm. he's got one fewer problem to deal with yes. in the meantime. Uh, I think the most important note about this, and I do think we've made this claim maybe one other time this is the uh second instance of an actually good episode title yeah <laughs> i thought this one was really good right like it's hellbound like he's gonna he's destined for hell but also like bind it up to it right yeah this is a exactly. couple of good levels it wasn't too it wasn't trying too hard i really liked it i was like all right this one's working for me so yeah this episode was um pretty gross it was so gross <laughs> see all of it though which I actually really regret because it was definitely skin crawl inducing yeah like that woman oh. with the glass in her oh, eye and, the and then finger cutting um, that was like yeah. at one point Fred is like has to like well they have to do this gratuitous shower scene with Fred sure. because like she's like covered in like blood and all this stuff it's like it's disgusting yeah, yeah. but even the first time that Spike kind of gets pulled into this little hell inter you know it, interdimension and he hears like sawing and you're like eh, you know I, I pictured a lot of things I'm like eh, okay they're, they're going a couple of ways with this and then you get there and I was like nope not that fingers. was not what I thought was gonna happen so I do think I, I they've really successfully raised the creepy scary horror stakes yeah. of the show so far this season which is fu- it's kind of fun you know I like that it's gross but I like um, it but I sort of touched on this a little bit but I think to me the interesting side angle of this of course is like Spike you know, James Marster is doing great work as always, mm-hmm. like Spike confronting his like imminent trip to hell. And like everybody else is sort of nonchalant. Like Fred is like, if we don't succeed, like Spike is going to go to hell. And everybody else is kind of like, yeah, like, <laughs> yeah, I assume. Um, but um, the pressure on Fred seems to be really enormous. And also like she is throwing everything she has at this. Like, mm-hmm. you know, she's kind of called in to a meeting with Angel and Eve in the beginning because she's overspending. Mm-hmm. Um, she's over budget and she's saying, hey, like, this whatever you've asked me to do for Spike is not cheap, yeah. right? Like I'm exhausting every resource we have to try to save him, and um, 
So like we were talking about in the last episode, Fred really seems to be emerging as a leader. Like she is, but she's also not without a cost. She's, she's emerging as like, okay, now there's all this like bureaucratic, like red tape that I also have to be confronted with because of this role that I have. Yeah. And I, I thought that was like very subtle and like kind of like well done of like, it is kind of hard to do your best when you're constrained by, you know, budget Budgets. and limitations. <laughs> I, re- I did really like that scene where they go in there and she thinks they're going to ask her something always the way those conversations go. And instead they're like, um, you're $800,000 over budget. We're not even through one quarter yet. <laughs> I, was, I, I did think that was a good, you know, I, I do like when they dial up the office humor um, occasionally. But yeah, yeah you know. Use it sparingly. Mm-hmm. I have to say as much, I was optimistic about this last week. I'm disappointed that part of why Fred is, in this position is because Spike keeps telling her not to tell anyone else about what she's really doing. Right. And I think for, you know, Spike and Harmony to come in episodes one and two and really be there making, you know, always saying what they're thinking, being this really good um, energy of honesty into this group that desperately needs it. I would, I'm annoyed that the show now is choosing to use Spike as like another kind of reason for someone to keep secrets. And it's also just such a stupid secret, you know, like I, they all mostly know what's going on anyway, even without Fred telling them. So it's just like, at this point, like, I don't, I just, I didn't appreciate that element. I just thought that was just a bad idea. So that I didn't, I didn't like It's it also all. like a weird use of Spike. Like part of me is like, yeah. okay, is the show really interested in this journey for him or is it useful to have him as this form? Like, you know, we saw in the last episode, we didn't really talk about it, but like the reason they figure out that doctor is like a bad guy is because Spike like, coincidentally like walks into his office and Fred thinks he's trying to show her something and like it has nothing to do with anything just like coincidence I'm like that to me is like lazy and like you know it's it's like okay cool you guys just are like oh Fred can follow Spike but like you know in this episode um they also try to like tie it all to the white room and Gunn and Angel have to go like they see this cat again, like this right. panther, and they get something. It's like, why? Yeah. I just, I, I didn't even, like, mention that in the recap, because to be honest, like, I don't remember how that tied into the rest of the yeah, story. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, they just needed to get an energy source and, and gun, you know, it was, I think, their attempt to warp, re, to bring gun back into the story is it's like, oh, he knows where to get it, because he's now kind of their conduit to that. But yeah, I agree. I mean, it was mostly unnecessary. Um so this episode, in the same way as the first one, I thought, like, the beginning I liked, the end I liked, like, the conclusion I really liked, but the, definitely in the middle I got a little bit bored. Um, and I think it's mostly... Which is shocking considering, like, it's so disgusting and, like, creepy and, like, yeah. you're still kind of, like, checking the clock. Like, yeah, I was like, okay, okay, okay. <laughs> and kind of what my explanation for that, I, I think because we're kind of basically rebooting this show... These early episodes feel really like the first episodes of a show, like the first season. And in a way, obviously that's good because we've been pretty unhappy with the show. (laughs) But in another way, it it is season five. And so we do know a lot of these characters. And it's like, I don't need quite so much handholding before they dig into some bigger storytelling. And I just definitely feel like I'm waiting for that to kick in. And then, you know what? You know what else? uh, This only is just occurring to me. There were a couple moments of it, but because Harmony wasn't in these episodes, it did feel like they all they quickly also lost some of the humor. 
And like, they didn't play it up as much yeah. anyway. There were a couple good jokes. Like this episode, definitely the Spike and Angel conversation where Spike, it, I'm sorry, Angel admits that he always liked Spike's poetry. And then he's like, but you like Barry Manilow? Like I, the whole thing was great. I loved it. But it just felt like I, they kind of lost some of the humor in these episodes too. Yeah. I mean, I really kind of liked, I, I don't really know what he was trying to do, but like Spike's joke about like Wesley and he having history or something like, right. Yeah. There was some humor, but you're right. Like missing harmony. It, it does feel like it added something really fresh to the show. And like with it out, without it being there, it, it all felt a little flat and like a little bit like, like the old show that we, we don't like. Yeah. So. And, and it's not like they can't do humor with these characters, obviously, no. like we just established, but it was, it did just feel like they kind of put that on the back burner. And traditionally, I think, especially in early episodes of like a Buffy or something, when you are, there's a lot of table setting to do. The thing that carries the episodes and make them zippy is that. So yeah, just kind of, just kind of struggling. These weren't zippy. I agree. These, these were pretty much the opposite of zippy. Yeah. Um, and they also have Lauren in both of these episodes. So I, again, it's like kind of just doing him a disservice. I think he's a great vessel for that as well, but they just never seem to quite lean on him enough for that. But this is what I mean. They just don't know what to do with everybody in mm-hmm. one room. And like, and it's a little bit frustrating that they still don't know, but they've also now added Spike. And, and Eve. so that's one more person to write around. Mm-hmm. And it's like, it's not solving, like it's, it's making the existing problems worse. Yeah. Um, and, and I like it because like, you know, new blood is good. And I, you know, if, if we lift someone out and add someone back in, I think trading Connor for Spike is solid. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> but it, it doesn't solve the problem of like, they just don't know how to like tie these people together. Yeah. I definitely so, agree. Yeah. Um, and the white room continues to exist as just, like, convenience, but... Yeah, and, you know, I didn't touch on this in the last episode, but I also... They... You know, Lauren is there to do psychic readings on the staff to establish who's evil and who isn't, and they just right away for, like, a split second are like, oh, but this guy took calendula, it's fine, he was duping you. And I was like, there cannot be that big of a, of a like, Achilles heel to this whole endeavor, because then what is Lauren good for? Like, I thought that was a really bizarre choice. Yeah, they and they didn't really seem to linger on the fact that mm-hmm. okay, now they have to go back and reread everyone. Right. And then, and I thought in the, and then in in Hellbound that they would mention that maybe it still is upcoming, but I did just yeah, look a little sloppy. But Fred is getting worn out. I'm I'm very interested to see what else they can do with Fred. I do think she is a great lead and actually um you didn't touch on this in the summary, but uh at the end of the episode, you know, her, she and Spike are now kind of bonding. And then that was sort of the, the big story for Spike is that at the end, he had an opportunity to become corporeal again and solve his problem or, you know, sacrifice Fred or let her get really injured. And he, you know, he made the right choice. I don't think, I don't think we thought he would, but I think that was a nice moment to get to, I, I appreciate giving him heroic things to do, even while he's not corporeal. Yeah, I think also because, like, there's this little lingering thing that, like, we were talking about last time of, like, pr- trying to prove that Spike is has turned a corner, that he yeah. is a good guy now. So, like, of course he made that decision. Right. Like, that's not surprising. But it is nice to see him do it. And and also we get a little bit of a a mention of the Shanshu prophecy here as well. Yes. And, and some indication oh. that Spike might might pose a bit of, like, a rival to Angel for deserving the the prophecy I guess like yes. it might not just be about Angel and yes. I feel like it was kind of glossed over really quickly but um 
obviously that's going to come up again. Well, and the other point um, or kind of really interesting thing about their one-on-one conversation is that Angel also seemed to admit that he is, he thinks he's going to hell anyway, right? Despite all the stuff that he's done. I kind of missed that and Alex called it out and then we sort of were talking about that. I thought, I I did think that was an interest. I liked getting to see the two of them kind of really sit there and think about what the consequences of their lives are, you know, without all the weirdness of of a prophecy. Also just to kind of say like, well, I did enough bad things that I just assume that's what's going to happen no matter what. I, I I agree. I wish they would let them do that more. I mean, I think mm-hmm. pro- part of the problem, right, is like they hate each other. So <laughs> right, right. they're not talking. But like, you know, it, it's as interesting as like Angel, you know, ang- being angry with Spike because he seemed to have overcome being insold so much faster than Angel did. And, you know, Angel struggling with that as, you know, okay, well, what, what was wrong with me that I was like broken for a hundred years, you know, but as a consequence and like, he has someone to talk to about this, like, okay, we've both been through this similar experience and we've also both done like heinous things and like talking about what that means and like, can they really get, you know, absolution for like all their good deeds is it's so fascinating. And I feel like they never really touch on it as much as they should. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I thought that was one of, you know, like my complaint about these episodes is that they weren't fun enough, but I think this was actually a serious scene that was like, it was a good balance of kind of both of those things. And I got a lot out of the serious side of it, which I would normally, you know, it's like, it was so nice to see Angel and Spike talk about something that wasn't just petty. (laughs) Yeah. It's like when they take the petty out of it, they can still joke and jive with one another and even kind of be mean to one another, but it's still like, it's getting to a lot more. So we'll see. Yeah. But I have too much else. No. I will say that I, um, I'm still really enjoying Fred's Dixie Chicks poster in her yes. lab. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. Um, I'm excited for Knox to, in, what I assume, inevitably return. I don't know. He's got to be a bad guy, but I don't remember to say that for sure. But that's where I'm at. Yeah, he gets a mention, but we didn't see him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I mean, I, I, I'm optimistic that we're moving past the like table setting now and we can kind of get more into things. Mm-hmm. Hopefully. Agreed. Yeah. Um, do you know what the next episodes are? <laughs> I do. Next week we have Life of the Party and The Cautionary Tale of Numero Cinco. Okay. I think that has to do with that guy in the mask. The guy, the mail carrier? Yeah, the mail carrier. <laughs> okay. <laughs> no, he wasn't in this episode. No. I also missed Harmony. I can't wait for her to come back. Yes, that too. I um, understand they had a lot of guest characters in these ones, so I get it, but... There were a lot of people. Like, wonder, yeah, what kind of budget are they operating on this season? Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so we've got those to look forward to, mm-hmm. and do you have any pop culture to share with us? Oh my god. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Uh, I feel like I had a little thought, but, um, oh, you know what? I do. Uh, we revisited that thing you do a few days ago. Oh, yeah. Um, because, well, you know what? It's not important, (laughs) but it's one of my all-time favorite movies anyway. Like, I really, it's, you know how, like, I, I think it is a great movie. Like, it's a really sweet 
easy movie, but one of those that it's like, yeah, in lesser hands, it, it would be really ha- hacky, but instead it's like, it's really tight. The performances are good. It's really sweet. It's all these things, but it's also like really permanently etched on to my childhood. Like we just were really obsessed with that movie when I was a kid. And then the like summer camp that my sister and I went to every summer, it was like, became involved in that too. Like we must've watched it one summer and then did a little performance like to the song. Like I just, I spent a lot of time with that movie as a kid and like we had the soundtrack, but like the older I've gotten, every time I revisited it, it totally holds up. It's like, it's just super cute. Totally watch, worth watching if you haven't seen it or if you haven't seen it in a while, definitely recommend. Also that song kicks butt. <laughs> it's so You good. just said that thing you do and now I have the song in my head yep. and it will be there all day. <laughs> But, like, there's so many also, like, jiffable moments, right? Like, the guy, Jimmy, at the end of the movie, when he quits, he goes, I quit. I quit. Like, that's so funny. The whole thing is funny. <laughs> anyway, it's also time Tom Hanks's writing and directorial debut. That's right. So, and he named his production company after the fake uh, record label that's in mm-hmm. the movie. That's what I've got. Yeah. No, that's a good one. Yeah. <clears throat> I don't really have anything else. Um to add to that Mm -hmm. I like like we said time time has stood still things don't change so (laughs) Um, Uh, yeah maybe I'll have something next week though I am also enjoying watching community in the background I'm not sitting down and rewatching it I've seen it a lot a lot of people I think are like oh it's on Netflix now I can like really rewatch I've already I've already seen it a lot so I'm like happy to kind of just put it on the background it's great that it's on Netflix though it's much more convenient for me (laughs) digging out my DVDs (laughs) I think it was on Hulu but like then you have commercials yeah 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 it's a little clunky yeah yeah cool um all right well what team are you on (gasps) oh I forgot we have to do this Mm -hmm. um oh team Fred yeah it seems were we Team Fred last week? No, we were Team Harmony last week. I think we were Team Harmony. <laughs> I guess any any week that Harmony's not around, <laughs> she's the obvious first candidate, I think, for a while. <laughs> yeah. But good job, Fred. You're shouldering all the responsibilities. Yeah, keeping those men in line. <laughs> cool. All right. All right. Well, we'll be back. Okay. Stay Bye. safe, everybody. Wash your hands. Yes. All right. We'll be back. Bye. Once More with Commentary is produced by me, Allie. And me, Ginny. Our theme music is from the album Rockingham by Nerf Herder. And our podcast logo is by Ryan Cooney. You can email us at scoobies at oncemorewithcommentary.com with any feedback, questions, comments that you have, and find us on Twitter and Instagram at OMWC Podcast. You can also find our most recent episodes and any show notes at oncemorewithcommentary.com. Commentary.com.